Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. I'm Ian Horn, and we're once again going to discuss the latest in financial advice and wealth management technology. Today's guest, for most of our listeners, will require no introduction, but in time-honoured fashion, he'll get one anyway. Today, I'm joined by Nick Etock, CEO of IntelliFlow. IntelliFlow, of course, is the UK's leading practice management software provider with roughly 50% market share for financial advisors. So if you're in financial advice, you'll know exactly who I'm speaking to. As Nick's not just a CEO, he's also the founder. So Nick, welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. How are you getting on today? Yeah, very well. Yeah. Lovely lovely to be on here today. Yeah, great to see you. And, and being the founder of IntelliFlow, that's, am I right to say about 17 years you've been running the company now? Yeah, you're aging me now, Ian. It's, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it feels like a heck of a long time, but they've been, it's been a fantastic time and, you know, we've got lots of fantastic years ahead. So, Yeah, amazing. And just to get started, obviously, that's a huge market share. You're, you're known by any financial advisor, really. You've got to be hiding under a rock if you're in financial advice and you don't know Intelliflow. Did you ever, you know, expect to get into that position when you started? No, I don't. You, you've got you've got sort of hopes and dreams of where you where you want to get, but ultimately, I think you just you just focus on the 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 immediate things, which is you know winning the next customer and do, and doing an excellent job for them, providing the best service you can, and then that's that scales and it gets a kind of a momentum of of, of its own, uh, and then you've got to evolve alongside that, and that's that's the funny thing, you know. I, I don't I don't think there are many business people who say that they could see exactly where they were going to be in five yeah. or 10 years even, you know, so um, those grand plans tend, tend to only really work if they're relatively short term and then you revise, you know, you review the plan and you, and you, and you, and you go, go again or you add more capability or you do, do, do take it wherever you need to. That's painfully sensible, Nick. So never, never set out a plan to world domination, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> okay. Well, look, I wanted to get you on the show today for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, we'll talk in Teleflow. Um, but to start, I mean, when I started writing my blog just over two years ago, um, you know, it should become Tech Travels, which we write on a weekly basis. And Chloe Malay now writes that for us sometimes or quite often now. Um, one of the, the key point I was trying to get across is that financial advisors and wealth managers need to start caring about their technology. And one thing that really helped me early doors to get that message across was the IntelliFlow e-advisor index that you put out every year. You know, it takes four billion clicks from you, almost four billion clicks, which is a huge number um, from your platform uh, to tell, tell us things about the market. So could you quickly, you know, give us a bit of an overview of what the e-advisor index is and, and why you decide to to set it up? Because I've obviously got some numbers to share with people later, but just a bit of context. Yeah, sure. And, and it was actually inspired by um, I was traveling to the US, um, I think in 2013, 2014, something like that, and um, came across some great work Fidelity did over there with their uh, with their survey, they did a kind of a e-advisor survey kind of thing. I can't remember exactly what they called it, but that was basically it. And, and what they did was ask advisors how in-depth are they using technology, what types of technology they're using. And then they would create a kind of a visualization out of that about how what a difference that made to those firms in terms of, um, you know, in terms of things like their revenue and their numbers of clients and assets under advice and that, that kind of stuff. So and I thought that was a really great idea because previously, we tried to do things like working out efficiency and return on investments and we did it with some third parties as well and it looked good but what we wanted to really demonstrate was the so what you know so how does this actually make my business tangibly better 
rather than saying I'm 10% faster at that or 20% um, less time spent on these particular activities. And we also realized that because we're a SaaS uh, provider, all of the data and the usage of our system is actually within our purview. You know, we can we can get access to that. So those four billion um, clicks that we sort of now generate, it's up beyond that actually now. But the four billion we did in the, in in the, in, in the, the last e advisor index um, um, is all stuff we can capture. And we also capture user journeys, and we also capture the data that sits behind it. So it's a multifaceted layer that looks just not just at what you're using. But the actual quality of how you're using it as well, you know, so how in depth the document reports are that you're doing, how engaged your clients are with the, the client portal technology, um, personal finance portal and so on. And, and we basically looked at all the things that advisors were telling us that made a real positive difference to their lives. And we measured every single one of them. You know, so we said, yeah. right, let's, so let's there's no measure them all. No shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Really. There's no shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And also it changes every year. It's, uh, you know, just, um, you know, just as in as in the football or the tennis, you can you yeah. can you can win the thing one year. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a champion the next year at all. You've got to keep on innovating and and using the technology as it innovates around you. So we measured all of that and we essentially took all um, we essentially gave every single firm that uses our technology. A, uh, a score, so it's an actual number, and that number translates to how well they adopt the software, the, how well they adopt the technology. Uh, and we broke that down into four uh, four cohorts. So we've got explorers right down at the bottom. You know, so those are um, not not by any means bad advice firms. They're just firms who probably yet to realise the full potential of the technology, all the way up through adopters embraces and at the top end we have uh, what we call the champions and those are the firms that are adopting the technology the, 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 the most and we give that score and incidentally in that numbering back to the firms so they can see it on a on a on a live basis so you know, whenever they go into the community they can see what their score is and our customer success team are there to try and help them boost their score to show them, you know, where they could be using the software better or more or what have you. Really interesting was when we then painted the the chart, the graph of the people who were in each cohort against real business metrics that we had the values for too. So the income they're generating, whether it's recurring, one-off income, the assets under advice they've got, the numbers of clients and the numbers of new clients they're bringing on. And essentially what we did was we measured it on a per advisor basis. So we weren't um, uh, being disproportionately fair to the larger firms, so it breaks down that 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 you know it, it takes that out of it. So we measure all of those metrics on a per advisor basis, and we saw the very first year we did it, we saw a stark difference between the champions and the explorers. And it, every graph we paint of this stuff starts at the bottom left and goes to the top right in terms of the improvement you make as you go along that 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 spectrum. We've been running it for five years, I think now. And every single year, it's painted exactly the same um, direction of travel in the sense that the champions are always, always better than the explorers uh, on those in, in terms of those business metrics. So, we, we, you know, we're really delighted because I think it really proves the value of the technology. Uh, and it's great to see more firms embracing that um, um, and becoming, you know, trying to get up that adoption scale. And you can see some yeah. of them do it really quickly. They all improve their business metrics. 
Yeah, and I can put, put some numbers to that as well, which you may also have in front of you. I'm not I'm not sure. But um, yeah, assets under advice for champions are about 40 million uh, per advisor, right? Whereas for explorers, it's 10. Revenue per uh, explorer advisor is 76,000. It's 223,000 for champion uh, advisors. Explorers have roughly 90 active clients per advisor, whereas champions have 220 and champions have 112% more recurring revenue than the explorers. So as you say, across the board, people who are adopting tech are running better businesses, uh, more profitable, uh, more clients, and, and the advisor is able to do more, essentially. Um, are there any other categories you've thought of opening this out to? Because these are great business metrics. But do you, do you have any way of tracking how it paints its way over onto the advice itself and the client experience? Yeah, so definitely the client experience piece we measure as part of that, because if they're going through um, certainly the client experience in terms of how it relates to their usage of the technology, so the personal finance portal, how often they engage with it, how often they send messages, what the sort of level of communication is there, whether they sign documents digitally, update their information. And, and so on. And you see that level of engagement generally um, um, being a, a core part of, 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 of that piece. We do more in the advice space now since we um, since we bought um, uh, I4C, so with the, which is now called IntelliFlow Planning. We, uh, that technology is a core part of what we offer now. So we, we kind of, I mean, and sometimes I must admit, it was the, the categorization of practice management is one that um, you know, is is one that's evolved over time. They, often they used to be called back office soft, software systems, and you know, even back office systems as a term still sometimes hangs around. Most people have moved to practice management, but not all. And we actually see it far further than that. You know, we see it generally as an advice management system because if you're using things like our advice flow, our planning tools, and and so on, then you can generate even greater efficiencies. Or you use tightly integrated third parties of ours, and you know we're very much strong believer in that open architecture approach. Mm -hmm. and, and looking at the companies that are doing doing tech properly, let, let's let's say it that way. Um, are there any certain trends you're noticing with that? Are these companies that are using tech better? Generally, larger companies, um, and again, looking at business leaders and management, are are we looking at old heads here with a bit of experience, or are we looking at younger? possibly more tech savvy people driving this change yeah it's difficult to generalize completely because when you look at it i mean one of the benefits of of the of the advisor index is that we spread it across our you know we analyze it from our entire customer base and as you mentioned earlier uh, we've got anywhere between um you mentioned 50 percent. i think it's probably just over 40 percent. but you know a decent market share in 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 the uk ad, ad, advice space and therefore it means that actually the data we're producing isn't um, isn't distorted by any one form or firm or another it's uh, you know it's across a very large denominator um, but because it's also across a large denominator it means it probably evens out those disproportionate uh, th those people who maybe are um, uh, are at one end or other of the spectrum so actually what we do see is that it's not about large or small advice businesses you've got some really great champions who are small and you've got some really great champions who are who are large too uh, age um, age itself is not an indicator although what is an indicator is desire to adopt technology so most of these the, most of the advice firms either have a, a principal or an md or of, of the advice business who's who realizes that um, 
digital and technology is an important part of what they do, um, or they will hire people in to do that. You know, the, 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 there's a definite interest level amongst those firms that are champions that that takes them to that. What's probably been most rewarding for, 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 for us, I think, is talking to some of the people in the slightly lower cohorts who don't have that natural interest, but like the like the idea of the, where the outcome, you know, where the journey will take them in terms of an outcome. So they kind of get on board and and more slowly they realize actually where they need to get to, but they do get there as well. So you don't have to be a technology evangelist or tech savvy to get there. You just need to go through a process and work, you know, work with work with our people. And we've got a range of partners as well that they can work with, too. Mm -hmm. And what are the pain points? Because people, as you say, will, will see this and want to move up the chart and become a champion company. What do people usually have to contend with? And what's in your, you know, from your perspective is the biggest roadblock that people usually face? Um, a number of roadblocks on, or challenges along that journey. One is data. You know, so data quality is pretty central to all of this. So you, you have to realize that fairly early doors. Um, Fortunately, our technology um, is, is kind of inbuilt in a way that it tries to streamline and, and make sure that the data you put in is, is not garbage, <laughs> it's good quality data, uh, and then that can help you in your journey. But you do have to have a mentality that says that's what we're going to do, and we're going to treat our data as really important. Because if, if we're going to digitize more elements of our, of our business, not just the stuff that's client-facing, but also the stuff that's internal, you're only as good as your data is good. So that 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 that's an important thing that they need to get past to go through to 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 to, to the other side. The other thing, frankly, Ian, is is their day jobs. You know, most of these successful businesses are pretty busy already, so they've got other things that they've got to contend with. And so, um, if they can finding someone who can who can um, who can make this a, a core part of their job. In the larger organizations, they're probably a little bit luckier in the sense that they actually can have people just dedicated to this and make it their entire job. In those smaller businesses, they do need to find a way to de dedicate some of their time, at least, to technology. Um, and, you know, again, we, we highly advise them to start talking to, um, you know, our customer success team who, who are there to try and help them through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to say, I, I totally share in the belief that being tech savvy means you run a better, more profitable business with more revenue. But is there a chance that that does lead to some of the the numbers we see in the data? So these companies that are larger, more profitable, more efficient, these are people I assume have the resources to hire a CTO, but also a more established, bigger businesses, right? That they are definitely without a shadow of a doubt in, but um, as I say, the, the the data itself goes across the entire marketplace, and it's not like our champions are dominated by large firms. Quite quite the reverse. Okay. It's if I look at this, if in so so we look at our at the firms who use our technology, and we break them down into cohorts of size, and partly just to understand, you know, are we. Uh, are we overly indexed in larger firms, overly indexed in smaller firms or whatever? And But what that data has enabled us to do is it's enabled us to see, say, you know, is there a particular, to answer your question before, is there a particular type of firm that dominates one of these e-advisor cohorts in, in a way that's different from our actual makeup of our firms as a whole? And the answer is there isn't, you know, so it's uh, it's a pretty representative sample. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you point out data because I was at um, Fintech Week London this week and data was coming up as a major 
a major topic in terms of things like embedded finance and open banking and various ways that you know that better use of data might completely transform the way that we we do financial services uh, from your perspective which tech developments really excite you and it doesn't have to be just financial advice here you know which which tech developments have got you really interested right now um uh, outside of financial advice is really geeky type stuff so i'm not even gonna i'm not gonna no, go that's fine that's fine i think you're in a safe crowd here i think you're okay but but in truth it is you know in the advice space there's so much going on at the moment which is really truly uh, truly exciting um i think you know the last few years have, have accelerated the 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 desire and understanding of how technology can help you run your business better and how actually it works for the end client too. So the level of digital adoption has increased and that means therefore there's more supply of digital type technologies in the marketplace. So, you know, one of the things that we're very privileged to see as a provider because we um, implemented something called the IntelliFlow store a few years ago, which is our kind of marketplace for people who integrate with us via our, our APIs and our dev hub. Um, is it gives us the opportunity to, to meet a lot of these businesses that are building some really great stuff. And very often they're small businesses, to be honest, Ian, but it doesn't just because they're small doesn't mean they don't have a great idea. And, and you know, we see a fundamental part as a, of our role is to provide them with a marketplace and the oxygen to actually get that capability out there in a way that's integrated with our technology. So it makes it more effective for the for, for the advisors. So we see a lot of that stuff. So I think some of the stuff that's exciting me down the lines is is it is finally beginning to see um, we're seeing this more in the States at the moment through some technology we're building out there, but bringing back into the UK shortly, seeing a genuine end to end journey of straight through processing all, all the way through. And, you know, and that that takes you right through the advice, right through onboarding, fact finding, advice process, right through to implementation and then account servicing on there. And it's genuinely 21st century stuff for the end clients as well as the advisors. And, you know, people sometimes think, oh, are our clients going to be interested in this? Well, yeah, they are because they're used to digital now as a way of buying stuff. And they and sometimes they wonder why buying, um, yeah. you know, a financial product, buying is the wrong word, but implementing a financial product on the back of advice from an advisor is is much harder than you know going to Amazon and and, and clicking clicking a button, um, and you know we we're getting much closer to 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 that end. So that that pretty much excites me. Um, cash flow planning and the adoption of that is also in, incredible. That's definitely taken a, 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 a you know it is on an upwards tra trajectory in the marketplace, and I think advisors beginning to understand that they can use it in more circumstances than perhaps in the past you know these tools aren't as complex as they used to be they're really powerful but not complex to use so that's um you know that's a major advancement and i think that's great because also it talks very loudly and clearly to an end client about the value of advice and the more clients out there that are saying i got value from advice and recommending to their friends the value of an advisor the more we'll actually spread the you know widen the access to financial advice yeah, and I think that's huge. I mean, we've all seen the, the surveys showing that people who have less than 50 grand to invest don't generally have a financial advisor or can't get a financial advisor. I also find your your choice of, of trends interesting as well, because this is all stuff which is quite exciting now. You know, when we do the Ask the CTO feature for our newsletter, 
all the, you know, we could say ask the CTO, I, I should digress on this quickly. These aren't chief technology officers. These are generally people at financial advice companies who've been politely asked to look after the tech. Um, but we call it ask the CTO. But when we ask people what they want, they all say something very similar to what you've said there. Something that works end to end with integrated systems. So, you know, the kind of stuff really where in 20 years time, we'll look back on it. And no one, you know, all the younger people then won't have a clue why we ever had to deal with any of this. It seems straightforward, but I can totally see where the industry is going there. Um, yeah. Look, let's let's look at Teleflow Office quickly because sure. I think I would get harangued if I didn't mention the fact that you know there have been a few a few stoppages in the services lately, and and every time this happens, you can't avoid it. But you know, the flip side of being that market leader is that. When Intelliflow goes down, everyone sees it. Everyone hears about it. If you're a financial journalist, it's very, you know, my Twitter feed goes nuts. Um, you know, and, and some people have said it's been a frequent occurrence lately. So, you know, I guess that needs answering, doesn't it? What, what's been going on there, Nick? Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, Ian, I'd say that, you know, we completely understand the frustration that, you know, our users experience when the technology isn't available when they need it. And they do rely on it, you know, to, to all you know all the conversation we've had over the last 10, 10 minutes or so. Um, so what we had um, in uh, is th this year, we had two 30 minute periods, one in May and one in April when people couldn't log in. We we identified it pretty quickly and fixed it pretty quickly. You know, we were up and running within 30 minutes or so each time. But we know that was challenging and you know challenging for our users and 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 we look to put in in place processes that stop that kind of stuff happening again one of the key influences herein has actually been our migration to 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 aws which we mm -hmm. which believe it or not we started towards the end of 2019 you know we were seeing a, a massive increase in the use of our technology and so we wanted to use aws as the backbone to provide us that ability to, to scale and so on. And we did some elements of that over the next few years. Unfortunately, we had to wait for the final bit because uh, the database element from, uh, from Amazon because um, they experienced a global chip shortage during during the pandemic. Um, but they've, we, they finally made the environment to us available in, in May of this year. And we implemented that as quickly as we could and actually had it live and up and running over the um, over the Jubilee weekend. And we've seen a massive improvement in, in, in performance since then, you know, so 99.5% of pages now are delivered in less than two seconds, which is which is pretty, pretty, pretty stunning out there. If you look at global marketplace, um, we also use now we're using a great service from from Amazon, something called RUM, uh, and RUM isn't as exciting as it sounds. It stands <laughs> for real time user monitoring. But what it actually does is it measures right from the user's desktop or phone or whatever device they're using, the actual end-to-end -end time of all of their user journeys. So we track absolutely everything across our entire um, uh, entire customer base, our user base now. And what the RUM solution does is it uses an industry standard metric to tell you how, how strong you're doing. And they give you a grade. So it's their version, if you like, of our e-advisor index. But this time yeah. it's for us instead. Um, uh, and our rating is 93%, which is um, which is pretty 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 stunning. It's a really good value. We want to improve it, you know, and uh, and, and we're going to continue to improve it and make those make those performance improvements as we add more and more capability into the solution. Yeah, I mean, using AWS, you know, Amazon Web Services, that kind of stuff seems, you know, we can chuck those terms around all the time in tech, but for your typical financial advisor, 
that it might be a bit unclear as to why that's important or why you need to do that, even if they realise that it's made the service better. So, so quickly, could you talk through why it's so important to to migrate to that? Yeah, and there are a few benefits. And so, I mean, we talked largely there about sort of performance and scalability, and that's definitely one. You know, so um, um, Amazon uh, with AWS and Microsoft have their own version of Azure. You know, those are the two sort of principal players in the global marketplace have infrastructures that allowed us to dial up and dial down our services very, very quickly indeed. In, in the old days, we used to have our own kit in third party um, um, data centers that we'd have to upgrade and buy new kit and, and so on. Now we now we pretty much do it at the, the click of a button, which means we can be far more responsive to uh, peak loads in the use of our software, you know, that, that just come around or um, you know, if we're seeing a general trend, we can also upgrade the, the systems pretty quickly. So that that puts us in a much um, stronger place to react to, to 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 that sort of increased usage, which we've seen massively over the last few years. Um, COVID COVID almost doubled it um, in itself, two to three two to three times, I think it was. In fact, just looking at my stats here, um, <laughs> so. It was, um, you know, a massive increase in use of the system. We've also seen a, a, a huge increase in new customers, new firms uh, coming to us over the last 12 months and so. So that's, you know, all of that means more and more people are using our technology, which means we need a backbone that creates, that gives us that flexibility. But it's not just system performance and flexibility. It's also functional capability it gives you. So, for example, one of the things we, we're working with a few pilot customers at the moment on and we'll be introducing to the to the to the wider customer base soon is a complete new machine learning capability so it's machine learning it's business intelligence it creates dashboards it, it, through artificial intelligence it identifies trends all of that's going to come into the dashboards within within the intelflow office technology and that's possible because again we're partnering there with with amazon on their their quicksight capability which is their global marketplace bi solution so all of this stuff, and that's just one example, there are other examples, give you access to some truly global enterprise-wide technology that you know, otherwise we just wouldn't have been able to get access to. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you think we, we kind of best facilitate the next generation of, of tech solutions as well? I mean, I think you've spoken to it a bit there, talking about web, you know, sorry, cloud, um, you know, enablement and things like that. But do, do you think the advice market is well set up to accommodate the latest in tech or do you think we need to evolve a bit um i think i think partly it depends on technology infrastructure partly it depends on appetite uh and i think um if we went back a few years i would say advisor appetite for making the most of this technology was uh was okay but not as great as i would have wanted it and we at teleflow would have wanted it to be that has changed in the last few years. So, you know, when I talk to advisors and I spoke with a firm just before coming on here today, um, this wasn't an isolated example. This is relatively representative. You hear some really great things that these firms are doing, many of them using our API and our store to, in, to build capability that sits, additional capability that either sits inside in the IntelliFlow suite or sits outside but uses our APIs to achieve it. And you, I, I'm starting to hear more and more people with really great ideas about what they want to do. And frankly, that's fantastic. We want firms to innovate around us. We've got a marketplace to help that do it. But it also gives us great ideas and great understanding of actually where the marketplace is going and what people want from our software. 
So we quadrupled our software investment over the last few years. So we invest about 12 million pounds every year into the technology. Um, having now completed the AWS migration, firms are going to really see that turbocharging into their in, into their environment. So we've got some great stuff coming up. I mentioned the the, um, the the machine learning sort of BI capability, uh, but we've got some great innovations in portfolio management, in planning. Uh, we're introducing a brand new version of our client-facing technology, the personal finance portal, which is entirely configurable that can involve people configuring it right down to the different componentry for individual clients and individual clients at different stages. It can involve third-party technology. They can build their own into that client portal uh, capability. So there's some really great stuff coming along and you know we're, 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 we're really excited to, to, be, to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And where do you look to for inspiration when it comes to, you know, moving tech forward and come up with the next big thing? Because the advice and wealth markets themselves aren't exactly renowned for being at the cutting edge of tech. And I, I don't even mean that in a cruel sense. They're just, they're just not. Um, you know, where, where do you go when you're looking for the next big thing? Um, partly, I, I, what I would say is there are a number of advisors who actually really are trying to push the envelope and it's great talking to those businesses. We have a pretty healthy, healthy dialogue. So that is definitely one part of it. But I guess the other part of it now is, you know, we're a, we're a bigger business than we were um, a few years ago. We're now a global business. And so a global business means a, a few things, really. It means a global workforce and a more diverse workforce means actually you get better ideas and more ideas coming into the business directly from our staff, our colleagues to, to help advance things. And that, that's really good. But it also means you've got a global marketplace that you're talking to. So we're talking to customers in different geographies. We're talking to partners in different geographies. And all of that helps us um, put, put all of these ideas into a melting pot, collate them together, which our product management team do a brilliant job of, and start bringing them into, in, in, into the product. It definitely helps in that we've got a large customer base both here and overseas to help um you know to help fund that and, you know frankly you know the revenues do partly uh, partly fund fund you know where, where, where we're going and so you know f enabling that to continue to grow is a really important part of the marketplace technology is not cheap to build um and good technology is even uh, even more expensive to build so you know we want to carry on doing that yeah absolutely and um, and one last thing when we met uh you know a few weeks ago yeah at uh, ian mckenna's event the ftrc uh, you know empowering advice uh, with technology event we uh we, we had an unusual conversation about cryptocurrency i say unusual it's a pretty normal conversation these days isn't it but yeah, i was yeah. i was really intrigued by how open to it you were actually i, I found that quite unexpected um, so yeah, I mean, I was I was speaking to a cash management company on this podcast a few weeks back in in America, and they've branched out into offering cryptocurrency for their advice clients who can then you know advise on it for clients. Now I know I know we can't do that right now in the UK, and I'm not saying that we should, um, but do you think there's a chance that'll happen here? And is that something that you look at? Yeah, I do think there's a chance that will happen here. And I mean, again, I was talking to a bunch of um, um, uh, American advisors on, on a recent trip over there. And, you know, they were um, the general recommendation out there was quite interesting, actually. You know, a, a lot of those advisors and there's some very famous advisors in the States are sort of recommending that clients invest 1% of their wealth in crypto. And, and the idea is 1% is enough 
is is a small enough amount to mean that you know if if things don't go ahead you're not you're not going to completely destroy yourself but it's enough to actually get involved in a marketplace that could 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 go somewhere now whether you agree with that or not and actually you know fundamentally this is down to individuals to to understand where where they're at one of the things that interests me probably more about crypto and i think this has a direct relevance for the uk marketplace is the underlying technology that's driving a lot of some of this stuff and that's stuff that we've you know people will have heard of I mean, a lot of people talk about on a on a on a regular basis which is the blockchain you know blockchain has a fundamentally um a strong opportunity to change some of the inefficiencies that exist in our marketplace and that i i'm that's the bit that probably interests me more than crypto itself it's the fact that this technology is enabling that uh, you know it's called distributed ledger, ledger technology but that distribution distribution or distributed nature rather of data that's that can sit behind a process that involves many people gives you an opportunity to lower the cost of, of those processes and improve the efficiency and the transparency of that. I think that's pretty exciting for the advice marketplace, which is, as you know, as we've spoken about before, and is, is populated by lots and lots of different players all doing things in slightly different ways. This, mm -hmm. that, this has the real potential to, to, to change that. Do you get approached by any of those people? Because I'd imagine you might be quite a lucrative partner. Yep. Very, very much so. We have we have lots of partners, both both, and sometimes those are overseas partners who are looking to come in, in, into the UK. Sometimes mm. it's UK uh, players who are looking to uh, to um, you know to essentially get access to a, a, a large advisor marketplace through us, um, and they're largely really interesting conversations about where they're going. I've got to say, sometimes some of these ideas are more more um, bleeding edge than leading edge, um, <laughs> but. Um, but they're always interesting and you know we see part of our job is of making sure that we can bring forward and and, and um, bring forward integrated partners who provide some of this capability in a way that makes real sense you know so we want tight two-way integration with these players so it creates efficiency into the advice marketplace we want them to have an in innovative ideas um, and innovative ideas by the way don't need to always be far out ideas they can just be dealing with relatively simple problems but just in a different way yeah and have you been approached by anyone who's using blockchain in a way that you think is anywhere close to being you know applicable within financial advice yeah a few unfortunately i'm under nda so i can't talk about them <laughs> but um but um yeah i i i I, th I think this stuff will 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 happen for sure yeah and if you weren't under nda then uh, you know what would you say okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that's never worked once, Nick. And I don't expect no, that to change. Good try. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, thank you, Nick. I, I think I think that's it um, from this. But thank you for joining us. Thanks for talking about uh, you know everything that you do in Teleflow and also your views on on tech. Uh, do you have any parting words for listeners of the Wealth Tech Show? Um, I guess I guess my parting comments, and I've enjoyed the conversation, Ian, as as uh, as as we always do. So we always have good conversations. Um, I would just uh, encourage advisors out there to ensure that you know that you investigate the depth of what your technology can do. You know, and frankly, whoever you're with, whether you're with with um, with us or with a with a with a competitor, it's important that you try and maximise the use of that technology. And 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 the time you invest in that is time well spent um yeah fantastic look thank you nick thank you for joining me it was a great conversation 
great to get your thoughts on everything. Uh, for everyone listening, thank you also for joining us on the Wealth Tech Show. I've been Ian Horn, and I'm still Ian Horn, and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.